0: so to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch.
1: $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Kia ora and welcome to Our Changing World from Radio New Zealand National. As NASA considers a mission to Mars, thoughts turn to what the crew might find out there. But the agency is also looking internally, researching what would happen to the brain of an astronaut exposed to a prolonged period of space travel. Part of their work involves scanning the brains of people in other extreme environments, like Antarctica. And as Katie Gossett finds out, that means the research has a Canterbury connection.
0: Okay, you're ready for the first task. Uh, That's the vault and code. So you will see the shapes and just
1: uh, push a button to acknowledge... It's the weekend solar. at Hagley Radiology in Christchurch and the MRI scanner is running, but not for local Canterbury patients. Instead, today's subjects are part of an international team of researchers whose work is co-funded by NASA and the German Aerospace center Radio
0: I'm ready when you are. Three,
2: two, one, go. Awesome.
1: They're investigating what might happen to the brain of an astronaut during a long mission in space, and part of that is looking at brain changes in other individuals who've also experienced isolated or extreme environments. Matthias Basner is an associate professor of sleep and chronobiology in psychiatry at the University of Pennsylvania. He's leading the project.
2: We are actually investigating crew members overwintering in the Antarctic Concordia station and our main outcome is neurostructural changes. That is, does anything change with brain structure and function when people are in this isolated, confined and extreme environment for a prolonged period of time? And obviously NASA is interested because Antarctica is a very good space-analog environment in the sense that people who will travel to Mars and back, that they will experience the same thing, they will be confined to a very close space, spent together the whole time with only a few people. And it's of course, you know, a very extreme environment and and very hostile and dangerous to humans. The same is true in Antarctica. Between mid-February and mid-November, there's no way to get somebody out there, so total threat to life condition.
1: He says a colleague has already investigated some brain changes among staff in Antarctica, but his project will take it
2: further. We are collaborating with uh, Dr. Stahn from Charité Berlin, and he has been in the German Neumeyer station, which is also in Antarctica, and he has been doing similar studies before us, and he is just coming out with the first preliminary results showing that... One region of the brain, which is the hippocampus, actually shrinks in crew members overwintering in Antarctica. The hippocampus is very important for memory formation. Uh, On the other hand, like everything that is visual-spatial orientation. So the idea there is if you're always in the same environment, no variety, always with the same people... And then also the psychological stress associated with living in this isolated, uh, confined, and extreme environment, that that actually is the cause for these structural changes in the hippocampus. And uh, what Dr. Stahn has not done is he looked at before and after the winter over. And what we will be doing in this study, we will be looking at before, immediately after, and then six months after mission to see whether there's recovery, whether we can see that, you know, these deficits that we're probably going to see, whether they recover and to what extent. And this is why we have this collaboration here with our uh, colleagues in Christchurch, because the Concordia crew members, they're traveling back over Christchurch or Hobart, and we want to get them as soon as possible when they're leaving this environment, because we don't know how long these changes are going to last.
1: And Dr. Basner says while potential changes to the hippocampus would appear to be the most prominent finding at this point, there's plenty more to be gleaned from the data.
2: We're looking at connectivity in the brain, which parts of the brain are connected to other parts, and is there any you know, change in this connectivity? We're looking at changes in the wiring of the brain. We're looking at functional changes, so we actually have subjects perform different cognitive tests in the scanner to see you know, what areas of the brain light up uh, when they're doing this test and does it change at all after the winter over in Antarctica. So, you know, our our main hypothesis is that the hippocampus will change because that is the most sensitive area to these kinds of stressors. But, you know, we're actually very, very excited to, you know, what else we will see. And, of course, you know, for the space agencies, this is uh, very important because it just hints to what astronauts could experience on their travel to Mars. And obviously these are important functions and space travel is, is a very dangerous thing and you want subjects to, to perform at the best all the time because tiny mistakes can have uh, huge consequences. So at this point, everything is wide open and we're really excited to, to, to look at the data, see what happens.
1: Part of what's happening today before the Antarctic crew arrives is the researchers must test themselves in the MRI scanner. That's because scanners in the southern hemisphere use a different system to the ones where the crew were first tested in Cologne, Germany. That means these researchers are effectively acting as a control for the experiment and Dr. Basner needs to take his turn in the scanner.
0: Okay, Matthias, are you ready? Okay, so now you'll be getting the fractal end back, and you're familiar with the task. You just need to push a button when you see the target fractal. Okay, so
1: if you're ready to proceed, we will start.
0: Ready? Three, two, one, go.
1: Dr Basner's research colleague Ruben Gurr is a professor of neuropsychology in the departments of psychiatry, neurology and radiology also at the University of Pennsylvania. He was recruited for his expertise in looking at brain function in relation to behaviour and he shows me some of the stimuli both the control group and the Antarctic crew will be exposed to. One is a spatial task and then an end-back task.
0: And back task looks at your working memory. It's sort of the scratch pad that you have mm-hmm. that remembers what you just did, what you're now doing, and what you're just about to do. And it keeps refreshing as you go along. And we simulate that by showing them fractal images. And there's one condition where they have to push a button every time they see a particular image. And then there is a one back where they push a button when the image they see is exactly the one that was before and then there is two back. They have to push the button if the, what they see is the same as two pictures back, and that's the toughest one. So here's the back room of the scanner, and you can see here the computer that delivers the stimuli that go into the scanner, and you can see on the screen each stimulus as it's being delivered, and you can follow the response of the uh, the subject who is inside the scanner. What, he, what you see now, on the screen is what
1: he's seeing now inside the He says the tests are ongoing for some astronauts who are already in space.
0: Astronaut Kelly and cosmonaut Korienko and are spending a whole year now in the International Space Station. And uh, they were scanned before they left. And once a month they take about 10 tasks. And uh, that way we can track any effects on their cognitive functioning as they are. Orbiting around the planet. And in the meanwhile, we also are doing studies on Earth, and this is one study. There are other studies that take place in other so called analog environments.
1: All right, here we go. As Dr. Besner faces his last task, helping with the process is Dr. Tracy Meltzer of the New Zealand Brain Research Institute. So,
0: my role here is to liaise with all the researchers from Pennsylvania, make sure that we can run all their scans, get their protocols up and running, make sure the project works. And then hopefully in the future we'll begin to collaborate even more, get involved in some of the analysis. Great job, Matthias. The next one will be a DTI. Can you hear me? I can hear you. You'll notice that it's uh, louder than the others and that at some point the table will start shaking. This is quite normal, Okay.
1: As Dr. Basner points out, once he emerges from the scanner, there will be more data than just the brain research. He says there are up to 26 people who may take part over the course of two winters in Antarctica. And he says many of them are already carrying out other tests.
2: They're wearing actigraphs, which are little movement devices. So we know about their sleep-awake cycles. They do that 24-7. Once a month, they wear an ECG. We get 24-hour ECG, so we can look at heart rate variability. We can also indirectly look at their sleep structure, at their respiration. Uh, They do a cognitive test battery once monthly, and every week they do a little reaction time test, which is very sensitive to sleep deprivation. So, you know, we're asking a lot, but right now we're getting a lot. They're really good subjects. And
1: he says once any stresses are known, the next step will be to find ways of countering them.
2: We are already planning another study in in the German Neumann station where we're now trying to implement countermeasures. That is, we want to do uh, something that's called hybrid training where people exercise on a bike, but at the same time they're like doing a video game with virtual reality. So, you know, this sensory deprivation that people have in Antarctica to kind of, you know, counteract that and see whether we then can, for example, in the neuroimaging data, can we see any differences to people who have overwintered before in Neumeier?
0: How are you doing, Karthik? Doing good. Okay, you ready for the first task? So you will see the shapes... As
1: another uh, research team member takes his turn in the scanner, Dr. Baznes says the data taken from these tests won't necessarily be used to help select astronauts. It's more about keeping the existing space crew safe and healthy.
2: Can we predict that somebody is vulnerable in a certain respect and then we can predict that and then we have the right mitigation measures for that person at hand? Selection is certainly one aspect, but then more importantly, you know, we want to know who's vulnerable to what stressors and then be prepared to get that person uh, there, healthy and back.
1: And Dr Bezner hopes the work done here will one day contribute
2: towards a successful mission to Mars. To me, this research is so important because if we want to send people to Mars, and this is what everybody wants to do. I don't know how long it will take. It's probably 20 years, 30 years, you know right now we know next to nothing how humans will react when they're exposed to the uh, space environment for such a long time there's only four humans who have consecutively spent more than a year in space and the shortest trip ever possible to mars is like approximately 2 years but the what the nasa's standard reference mission right now is over 3 years so we we kind of know next to nothing this is this is why this Research in analogue environments that kind of mimic the space environment is so important.
1: And that was Matthias Basner, a professor of sleep and chronobiology at the University of Pennsylvania. And you also heard from his colleague Ruben Go, as well as Tracy Melzer from the New Zealand Brain Institute. That's all for now. For more, check us out on the web, radioNZ.co.nz forward slash Our Changing World. Kia ora mai.